Hi, and thank you for tuning into the Mind Affinity podcast. Today, I'm chatting with Kizzy from The Huddle, and we'll get to find out all about what she has to share with us from parenting and many other things, I'm sure, right after this. The mind is capable of amazing things, and yet so many people use that immense power to hold themselves back. Imagine what you could achieve harnessing that power and using it to push yourself forward. This is the Mind Affinity Podcast, the place for advice and inspiration to help you empower yourself. Kizzy, hi, how's it going? Hello, good, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Let's start by finding out a bit more about who you are, what you do, and what the huddle is all about, and how it relates to penguins. Ah, yes, the penguins. Um, So I'm Kizzy, I am a carrying and parenting consultant, which means that I support parents with baby slings and carriers. And I also support parents with all things parenting, really. Um, I'm not an expert. I, am, um, I have done a range of training, uh, my own experiences and research um, but I, that I use to support parents, giving them information, signposting to enable them to make informed decisions um, that suits their family. The huddle is uh, something that I created during lockdown, uh, which kind of accidentally grew from a Facebook group that I created to support parents. And um, yeah, it was, ac- it was an accidental business and it's been amazing. So I named it The Huddle because I've always loved penguins. They are awesome. Um, and Huddle, bearing in mind, so this was kind of like June last year. Uh, so 2020 hadn't hugged anyone for a long time apart from my child who was the last person I wanted to hug because we'd only (laughs) been in our own company Um, so huddle made me think of cuddle Um, and the the thing with a penguin huddle is that it moves gradually so they keep together to support each other to keep each other alive and warm and it's not just those people in the middle that the penguins in the middle that are warm it's the outside as well because they gradually move so they change places so they each get a turn um as parents they support each other uh, they have quite equal roles within parenting and the importance of breeding and raising their child um, they also have same-sex relationships um they're cute. I really wanted a mascot. Um, <laughs> and uh, the name kind of just felt light. So all of our things are penguin related. Um, and we offer groups from pregnancy, which is our waddle group, to hatchlings, which is our newborn group, uh, and pingus, which is kind of from five months to cruising. Then we've got happy feet for um our like mobile children and then we've got galapagos group which is a breed of penguins for our lgbtq plus parents and then we've got the macaroni penguin group which is for forces families um because they are found in falklands but they're the breeds that are kind of hidden they're camouflaged quite a lot they're the least common to see in the falkland islands so I thought that was quite suitable for forces. Um, and then, yeah, so we I'm running out of names, so I need to stop creating groups. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we are now officially a not-for-profit as well. Ooh, exciting. So what, 
what led you to become a not-for-profit? Uh, because I supported in person, face-to-face, by myself with my four-year-old and my puppy during a worldwide pandemic, supported 366 families in the space of six months by myself, face-to-face. So that doesn't include the businesses that I supported, um, who are also fellow children and baby um, businesses locally, and doesn't include the thousand people that I had in my Facebook group that I supported throughout lockdowns um, for those children under age seven. So I was doing all of this and yet hadn't paid myself. Um, I started, I had a business, I've got a small office around the corner from where we live, where my business was started. Um, I just did carrying consultancy, so it's where I stored my slings. Um, So we got some money for that from the COVID grant. Um, We used half of it to pay bills and stuff, and the other half I used to set up this place. Um, so £5,000, I created a family support space and a shop at the front with the idea that the sale of the toys and things would cover the bills for the shop part, uh, for the groups and things. And I wanted to make the space affordable. So our sessions are no more than £2.50 per person, uh, per family, allowing people to bring another adult. So whether that's their partner, whether it is you know a parent or a friend so they don't have to come alone um which and if you've got multiple children I don't charge you more for those because you're in a household so Mm. you're two meters apart doesn't affect my capacity um so I don't see how I can charge more for the twin I forgot my twin group my twin group's called double yoke um my twins are multiples yeah that was that was a really hard one to get right um and that was very much clutching at straws that one um (laughs) but yeah so I didn't want to charge twins more uh we have a super pay group which is for children with additional needs that also is two pounds fifty because those parents shouldn't have to pay more just because their children have additional needs um so I wanted to make it affordable and at the time, nobody was accessing any face-to-face support. So all healthcare providers weren't running face-to-face support. All normal voluntary groups weren't running face-to-face. And the stuff that I was off- so I was offering, free telephone calls for support. I was offering free video for feeding support. Um, I was holding daily lives on normal kind of child development. So what to expect, how to give learning opportunities without sitting and doing like reading and writing which yeah. was just a battle for everybody so how can you get those learning objectives across to your child in a way that isn't going to become a battle um so when non-essential retail opened I did the shop and I kind of offered that space so I had a feeding corner that people could come in in a retail environment which was legal um so they could come in they could feed their babies and do their shopping and I could offer them support while we were there and I did all of that I was doing it for free and I was looking at healthcare providers who are paid to do the job and I was mopping up almost the mess of other people who are paid to do it to not do it and I was like how do I get access to make this business more sustainable um because the government isn't going to keep throwing money at me um Mm -hmm how you know there's a need for it I want it to continue and how do I make it sustainable and got some amazing support from our local growth hub 
um, spoke to some fantastic people who kind of guided me in what to do and set it up as a CIC um, by guarantor. So it's so our profits go all back into the business. We don't get like a share or anything at the end of it, um, which we were doing any. I, I say we I was doing that anyway. But when you have it officially in a constitution and everything else, it then means that I can start applying for funding to be able to offer more and maybe pay myself a wage. <laughs> Excellent. So, well, firstly, well done. And wow, that sounds like uh, a really valuable thing to be offering to people. Um, mm. So that's really awesome. Well done for setting that up. And it can't have been easy. I'm, I'm sure you you had some challenges along the way and learned some lessons from it. Oh, yes. <laughs> Before we talk too much about that, what got you into doing it in the first place? Why did you feel the need to go into the role of, of assisting and supporting parents? So I am a qualified teacher and my last role was supporting families and teachers who had children with uh, social, emotional or mental health kind of challenges. And a lot of that was about really understanding children and really supporting and that individualized rather than the teachings so everything that I'd done before I had my child was based on supporting children nurturing children and supporting parents and we're all amazing parents until we become parents and then we realize (laughs) we haven't got a clue um (laughs) So I made the decision that I didn't want to go back to teaching. Teaching is a challenge. It is hard work. um, And I didn't feel I could be the parent I wanted to be and be the teacher I wanted to be. I'd spent nearly six years trying to conceive. um, So my son was a surprise. Um, A lot of people I knew had experienced losses during pregnancy and after birth as well. So I never really took it for granted that I would have a baby. Um, It was something I always wanted, but I never, I don't think I ever really expected to take a live baby home. Um, So we fell pregnant. I say fell pregnant. We planned to like, you know, temperatures, everything. So the whole process was a challenge. There's a lot of guilt there's a lot of emotions there's a lot of doubt there's a huge amount when you're trying to conceive um that lots of people don't talk about um but yes we did it it was a real challenge on our relationship because it no longer becomes about creating family unit and all of you know that oh yeah it's just have lots of sex it's really not it's you know my temperature is this so that means you you be on a stick every day you know to check whether you're ovulating you wake up and put a thermometer in your mouth to check your temperature you you know have lots of invasive tests and it becomes very regimented quite controlled um and you i think you almost both kind of question why you're doing all of this so it's hard getting there then you i got pregnant and I was a bit scared, didn't think it was ever really going to result in a baby. And then I had really bad sickness all the way through. Um, and there were a number of times where I questioned whether I actually really wanted this baby, whether it was worth going through how I was feeling and the hospitalizations and everything else for this child that I claim that I want. And actually at this moment in time, I just, I will do anything to feel better. So that was really hard 
for nine months. Again, it's something that people don't talk about. So my baby was, was due. Was there a lot of, yeah. did you feel guilty around that? So obviously it, it's completely natural, I'm sure, and normal to go through points where you have thoughts of, I would do anything to just not be in this state or, or you know, and questioning, doubting whether it's what you want, all of that mm. stuff. Did that lead you to feel guilty about having those thoughts and those feelings? Oh, totally. And I, I mean, I'm quite, I'm quite lucky in the sense that I was brought up that talking about our emotions and how we're feeling and tackling that head on is okay. There was no taboo. Excellent. So I was happy. I was happy to speak about my feelings. I blogged about my feelings. Um, I had been, and I think when you've already been on a challenging journey to get pregnant, you find online anonymous networks that you can go on and that you can talk to other people going through the same thing. And you realize how your feelings aren't, the, you're not the only one experiencing that. And that really, really helps. And we're not talking Facebook where you're not anonymous. Yeah. Um, people can find you, people can find association. It's, it, and it mixes personal and like the, you know, you, you mix everything together, don't you? So yes, your friends absolutely. and family are then mixed with the strangers and it's a bit odd. Whereas this was kind of, it was on baby center. There are other, other websites I'm sure and forums, but this center was, you know, you created a name and you went on and you chose which forums you went in and you gave as much information as you wanted to. And there was, you could create a profile, but you didn't have to. So if you wanted to find out what people were thinking or you wanted to share what you were feeling, you specifically went onto that site and you specifically talked about that and you chose which rooms to go in and share about those things. So, Which I guess also I meant you had the ability to switch off from it as well yes exactly I that's the other thing with that facebook is that it's always there yeah. <laughs> it's always there and you know even if you want to stay in contact with your friends or family and you want to see what's happening well because you've engaged in it before it will come up on your news feed and i think that's you know it that's what people have found really hard especially during the pandemic and i think parents find it really hard so having this separate forum that i could go to that I chose which conversations to be involved and be part of and which ones to share it gave me a space that I could share so I knew my feet I wasn't alone feeling those things so I probably didn't have as much guilt as I would have done had I not had that but yes you do have guilt because you spent six years trying to get here life is precious you know you're lucky to have even got to this point because you're sharing a space with people who 10 years down the line you know 12 IVF treatments failed, remortgaged their home, broken relationships and everything else and still have no baby. I've got a baby inside me and I don't want it anymore because I feel so poorly. So it's really torn in between. And lots of people have had miscarriages during that time we spoke about it. And then friends, I started talking to my friends about these things and then discovered that actually they were experiencing these things as well. Um, that actually, by the time I'd had my baby, I'd gone through so much trauma prior to that, that actually I was quite open about how I was feeling so I suffered with depression when I was uni at university so I was at high risk of um, 
developing postnatal depression. We don't have any family or friends near us. So um, we live, we're quite remote. Um, so I was deemed as being high risk. Now I was very open with my midwife and said, you know, I have had postnatal, uh, you know, I have had depression. I am have read that I'm at risk. I've had this issue during pregnancy. So that will add to that risk and things. And um, talking about that meant that during my pregnancy, I was signposted to some groups that might be helpful. And I started attending groups during my pregnancy. So once my baby arrived, I'd already started building those relationships. Um, and I think part of what I wanted, I've realized that I was lucky and it's very rare to have had such amazing healthcare professionals that I felt I could, and parents who've taught me to be open, that I could speak to them and not be worried about social services or whatever, you know, or like being judged or anything like that. I can give two hoots because if I'm open about it, I can get the support. And if I can get the support, then social services don't need to be involved because- Yes, exactly. You know, and we, so often- I think it's true in many different circumstances and situations. I don't think it's exclusive to uh, parenthood and postnatal depression. No, not at all. But, but it's especially relevant there is that however you're feeling is okay. You're not mm. the only one to have felt that way. Feeling guilty about feeling that way is also okay, but it doesn't yeah. mean it's justified. It doesn't mean it that, that firstly, there's nothing wrong with feeling that way but secondly that doesn't mean that it's your reality you know just just no. because you feel that way in that moment like for example yeah. there's a, a, a simple example there's probably been times in every parent's life where they've not seriously but considered just abandoning their child right <laughs> not that they would ever we've all, no, we have. It, but it's a thought that comes to mind, right totally and that and doesn't it is, mean you're that... evil for thinking that. It just means you're human and that's okay. Human. And actually sharing that, it takes a lot of the burden away. Bottling it up, believing it to be something to be hidden and secretive about and not acknowledge and not admit, actually mm. anything has the power to make it a more invasive thought. You know, the more you try and yeah. force something down and bury it inside, the more it's likely to resurface because you're making something more from it. Um the less that you talk about it, the less other people are going to talk about it. Absolutely. Now, if if we were in a room of 10 parents, of so my son's five now, if we were in a room of 10 parents of five-year-olds and no one mentioned anything, we would talk about our children as if everything hunky-dory. Mm -hmm. However, the second you go, my child's really struggled returning to school after lockdown this is what we've been experiencing anyone else you will get every single person sharing something and maybe there are a couple that won't because they're not sure this is so out of their comfort zone this is something they've never experienced that they don't feel ready to but they may absorb some of that and take it home and go actually the fact that I've been struggling with my child is okay um we do a huge amount for people during pregnancy so during pregnancy the midwife spoke to me about depression what I can do to kind of help myself and things so I used carrying I found out about breastfeeding I found about local support groups I went to them before my baby was born I you know to prepare myself as much as possible of what to expect had realistic sleep expectations and things like that once our babies arrive us as parents 
are dropped like hot potatoes. That support, love, care and consideration is gone. It's about baby, but we suddenly, we go home and apart from the regular visits, which many parents haven't had during COVID, you have a baby, you go home and suddenly it's like, oh shit, we're parents. I've no idea what I'm doing. Like, this must be a mistake. <laughs> no matter, you know, no matter how many other people's children you've looked after, this must well, be no a mistake. Someone trust me to be a parent, yes. right? Yes, exactly. And I you know, but here's the thing. I myself home sometimes. <laughs> I know, right? And that's that's without the drink. Um, <laughs> it's it's something I say a lot, and I, I, there is no such thing as a perfect parent. And even if there was, then the child would be woefully unprepared for the imperfection that is real life, right? You are going to make mistakes. You're going to get things wrong. You're going to make it up as you go along. And, and sometimes... But then my question would be, what does perfect mean? Well, this is exactly it. To me, there's what no... Such is a, what is a perfect parent? What does a perfect parent look like to you? Because to me, a perfect parent would be somebody who loves their child and does their absolute best for their child's well-being. That's that's my that's my expectation. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I, and I that mean, to I me, if you do those things, you are perfect. But does your child have to look immaculate? Do you have to look immaculate and be successful professionally and personally? And you know, it's and the goalposts change constantly. So, like oh, five well, years ago, the expectations are different to what they are now. Yes, and and rightly so. In, in a lot of ways. But to expand slightly on, on what you said there, um, you, doing the best that you can do for your child is, is what you see as, yeah. as being yeah. perfect. I, I just, I don't like the word perfect. I don't feel it's something to aspire to, but I, I understand that imperfection yeah. could be labeled as perfect if that's your view of it, and that's yeah. fine too. Yeah. Um, but you, you said, you said um, yeah, the, the best that you can do. I think it's also important to recognize that the best you can do in any given moment may not be as good as the best you could do in a different moment right if you're nope. if you're well rested because you know parents are right um and you've <laughs> you've you're you're in a good mood and you've got time on your hands and everything's going smoothly you're going to be able to show up in a different way in that moment for your child than you'll be able to when it's three o'clock in the morning they're not sleeping everything's going wrong you've got deadlines to try and hit tomorrow and everything else right you can only do so the when a parent you. says if you you know said oh, i had a really shit day today you know like oh i've just failed at everything um i will quite often point out the things they have succeeded in today yeah. so today you got up your baby is dressed they've had a nappy change they have had food they have had a they are having a hard day they are having a tricky time and you have tried to comfort them on very little sleep. You have got yourself up and you have brought you and your baby to this space. And you have said to me, I'm having a really rubbish day today. Now, there are so many successes in that. Mm, absolutely. That actually, when we think we're having a rubbish day, sometimes we need to look at our expectations. What are your actual expectations? So that parent who has fed their child McDonald's Happy Meal three times this week. They may have only had $1.99 a day left over in their money to be able to feed their child. 
they couldn't go to the supermarket and buy a meal that would have fed their child for that price and given themselves maybe the opportunity to eat a little bit themselves. So it might have been she's bought, you know, she spent four pounds on a meal for the two of them that will keep them going until, you know, she goes back to school the next day. It's it, it's the difference that parent has made the decision to use that 199 to feed their child something in a time where they have no other options instead of just not feeding their child anything. Do you know? It's like yeah, we absolutely. have to look and, and sometimes. And it, the thing, so one of the main things why I wanted to create the huddle was I was hearing so much judgment. And I think COVID has made it almost worse because, and it's a little bit politics, but because we have been described, we are the ones that carry the virus. We are each other's enemy. So people compare it to World War Two, for example, and it's like, but you can't compare it to World War Two because in World War Two we were creating community. So yes, we were going through everything else, and you know we had curfews and all of these things, and we were in bomb shelters and stuff. But it was about community. We we were all together fighting a physical enemy who was attacking each of us. What we have had this last year is that we each other are each other's enemy, and so therefore that has meant that other people are the reason why we are fearful because it's other people's actions that are going to affect us. So therefore people have gone online and they have panicked and they have blamed everybody under the sun of what they can see in that one snippet without knowing the full story because we've all been in crisis. So there's been a huge amount of judgment on that. The media love a bit of judgment too. So they, you know, it sells papers, it, you know, it increases clicks and all of those things. So we share all of the confrontation and all of the negativity and all of the judgment. And then we've got healthcare professionals who are understaffed, underpaid, huge amount of pressure, huge amount of their resources being removed a huge amount of opportunities for further professional development have been removed, all of those things. And then they are having to support parents in a really short period of time. And they're meant to do and recognize and notice everything. Well, because of all of those stresses, there's going to be an element of stuff that gets missed, but there's also going to be an element of judgment because you don't get an opportunity to create a proper rapport You've got checklists that you're having to respond to. Now, as soon as we bring parenting with checklists, there's going to be judgment because then there is a right way and there's a wrong way. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't believe in a parenting style because the second that you label it, there's right and wrong and there are rules and there are things that you should and shouldn't do. Um, I believe in an instinctive parenting. Um, so I wanted to create a space that's judgment free where people there isn't the judgment there isn't the competition my baby rolled oh mine hasn't what have I done that's wrong so in a workplace environment and I think this is why I struggled being self-employed as well is you don't get an appraisal (laughs) you know you don't get anyone telling you you're doing a good job and as a parent, nobody tells you you're doing a good job. And I found that really hard as a parent. I knew I was doing the best, but no one tells you that you're doing a good job. And it's it's frowned upon. And I think for me, 
from being part of a business network where you can shout about your successes is really important is one of the reasons why you know I've enjoyed being part of some of the network groups and stuff because we do we shout about it it's like you know what today I achieved this and isn't that amazing or I'm looking back at last year and look at these figures because we're British and British people don't don't do that do we we don't do that we don't shout and boast about each other it is a hundred percent something that i like to encourage and support people to do more mm. of uh, and in fact off the back of this i'm going to do a post in my facebook group um encouraging people to do just that today so yeah share what you've succeeded at today and that's what parenting should be about it shouldn't be about competition it's about your your now your now and where you've come from that baby that hasn't rolled up four months well they were six months from you know they were you know they they're actually corrected only two months because they were six weeks eight weeks nine weeks premature for example yeah. we've all had different journeys and I think we all need to respect each other's different journeys um so you can make a real decision that especially suits your family and that's what I needed when my son was little um and that's why I've created this space is exactly for that to have the confidence to go this isn't right or I'm not sure about this and be able to ask but at the same time know that the answers that are coming to you are going to be judgment free and going to be information based because there isn't enough of that Amazing. Well, Kizzy, we've got very little time left today. Thank you so much for everything you've shared. And I think the most valuable thing so far that I can see from this is just talk, be open. You're not alone. Yes. Other people have experienced it. Be open and talk about your challenges. You don't have to do it publicly, but find someone you can talk to. Um, and it's okay to have different challenges. It's okay to have different sure. experiences. It doesn't make one person's experience less valid than the others. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So in the brief time that we have left, um, I kind of want to ask for two things from you now, actually. So if you've okay. got the whole world listening to you right now, um, what yep. short, important message would you want to share with the world and and is there a message that you have for non-parents to help them understand and support the your the your world you know of, of helping and supporting parents so I would say to every parent or actually every person mm -hmm. when you are looking at making a change into what you're doing so whether that's your parenting approach or your life approach ask yourself if if it wasn't for outside influences so something you have read something someone has said or something you have seen from somewhere else would you have changed it would you have made that change if it wasn't for the outside influences was it a problem to you before whatever it was that led you to question it. If it wasn't, don't change it. It's really, think about why you're wanting to change what you're doing. Is it because it no longer works for you? Or is it because of an outside influence? If it's an outside influence and it wasn't an issue with you before, question whether it now is the time to make that change. I like um, that you clarified that part there at the end because my initial thoughts were, well, 
actually surely most things that we learn and decide to build and improve on come from external sources who have more experience or more knowledge or a different outlook so we can go oh yeah I like that and I can use it but the, the core component there being that instinctively we know what we're doing most of the time we know what's right and it's the doubt and the worry that creep in that upset and cause the disturbance to that and that yep. is what tends to come from the outside sources so yeah I, I, yep. I really like that message. Um, and my tip, the thing I'd like non-parents to remember is that children are humans too, and they have needs. And as parents, our job is to meet those needs to ensure that they are the best humans they're going to be when they're grown up. That will look after us that will educate our, our children and our grandchildren, all of those things. They are our next generation. And we can only raise them to be their best by meeting their needs um, and parenting with the information that we have been given at that moment in time. Um, and I think that's really important because stuff changes <laughs> over the years. Um, and just to remember they're humans too, and they should be part of society and um, they have needs. And let's not always think about our adult needs, think about actually they've got needs too. You, um, yes, completely agree, a really great point. Also, I think part of our needs as an adult, or at least for me personally, I'm not saying this is a global generic thing for everyone, but for me personally, <laughs> learning from children is so important to me having innocent young minds around allows me to view things and think about things differently it's so easy to lose that when you surround yourself with you know being a grown-up all the time um and I, that's oh, yeah. certainly not me I'm not a grown-up half, half the time <laughs> at all but, but having kids around it's refreshing when you allow it to be, you know, there's, there's so much benefit that we can gain from them as much as the other way around. Totally. Totally. I'd just like, one of the things is actually before we say no to our children, think about why not. Uh, do, I do this. I do this. Think so the other, why day, not. Uh, the other day, the other day, so I've got a, I've got some I've got a lot of camping gear I enjoy camping and I've got this like knife fork spoon set that slots together and it's just really handy and really useful um, and it normally lives with my camping stuff and I'd been camping so I'd washed it and it was there on the side ready for me to take it and store it with my camping equipment uh, and Aiden turned around and said because he likes gadgets and cool things and camping uh, and he saw it and he went oh can I eat my dinner with this tonight and I said no because in my head, no, it's not for sitting down at the table and eating your dinner with. There's plenty of cutlery in the drawer. I need to put that away. It's there for me to put away. And I said, no. And then I went, uh, yeah, yeah, of course you can. Absolutely. Because why not? Like, aside from the fact that, oh, I'm going to have to wash it again. Well, I'd need to do that with the, the normal cutlery anyway. Why say no yep. to that? But it's so yep. easy that we have it in our heads that well, this is for this job and this is for that. But and that's always how it's been. Support. It's always been that way. You know, I've always just put it with that. So therefore that must be the thing yeah. that we do. Well, 
Well, my mum, that's what we did as kids. You know, you had pudding after you had your main meal. Like, why, why don't we serve it all together? Like, does it matter? Does it matter? Um, so, yes, question why. Why? Why are you saying no? Awesome. Kizzy, thank you so much. Um, it's been great chatting with you. I feel there was lots of value to that. Um, and I think, I think it's probably every parent-to-be or everyone who wants to understand parents better um, should definitely <laughs> take the time to, to hear some of what you have to say. And so I, I hope oh, this you. episode has, has aided people in that way. If people want to chat with you more or want to find out more, where's the, the one easiest place where they can get more information from? We're on Instagram and Facebook or website. It is www.southwestbumpsandbeyond.com. Excellent. Looking after them beyond the bump stage, not just during the bump when everyone gets the attention anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's been really lovely chatting with you and I look forward to uh, catching up with you more soon. Yeah. Thank you ever so much.